You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 31, Farewell Frank. As the title suggests, Frank Lampard has been sacked as the manager of Chelsea Football Club. Uh, the feelings right now are pretty raw. I'm joined by Jack Davies. Jack, how are we doing, man? It's a stupid question, but... Yeah, it's been a, it's been a terrible day, mate. Not feeling the best, and I just, I just feel angry and disappointed for Frank and Jody that they're not able to continue their work and try and take us where we want to go. Yeah, and returning to the podcast is Daniel Charles. And now, last time he was on, we just beat him West Ham 3-0 and things, you know, were looking a bit rosier. We were, I think, fifth in the league, just outside top four on goal difference. And then about a month later, just over a month later, things have changed and Frank is no longer manager. Daniel, firstly, how are we doing, man? How have you sort of dealt with the Frank news? Probably the same as, as I think most Chelsea fans today. It's been a really... A real gut punch, hasn't it? It's been a horrible, horrible day. Um, I feel the the timing of it's quite weird. Not in the sense that we haven't been hearing stories, but it's just in the sense they gave him that looting game. We had a bit of a buzz seeing that victory. And yeah, it's it's. I think it's a horrible day. I think it's a very dark day for Chelsea as a club as well. I think this will take a long time to heal for a lot of fans. And, and that's something that's just quite sad to think about. Yeah, obviously, before we get into the discussion, Daniel, as always with my guests, I get them to plug their socials and their YouTube. And I, you know, I don't want to, you know, blow smoke up Daniel's ass too much. But he, I honestly think he's probably one of the best Chelsea content creators out there. So, Daniel, where, what is your YouTube and where can people find you, etc.? Oh, thanks for the kind words. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, Stunner Chelsea on YouTube, uh, daily content about the club. I did, you know, post a video, obviously, speaking about Lampard being sacked. 
uh, about 14, 15 minute video going through all my, my feelings there. Um, it's going to be interesting now. I, I could promote sort of my preview for Wolves, but I don't know if I'm going to be doing a preview for Wolves because it's, it's so up in the air, isn't it, at the moment? And probably going to be speaking about the next man in um, pretty soon. And of course, Son of Chelsea on Twitter and also Son of Chelsea on Instagram and Son of Chelsea YT on Instagram. So two personal and, and my channel account, but that's where you can find me, just Son of Chelsea. Yeah, make sure you give Daniel a follow for great content. And honestly, I watched his Frank video yes, uh, earlier today and it was, yeah, really, really good. Um, right. Obviously, you know, the news came. And as I said, it was a shock to me, not because I thought if it was going to happen, it would have happened after Leicester. I think that's what a lot of people felt. It seemed weird, the timing, that it was after a win in the FA Cup. But then obviously stories come out and you read that Chelsea had been planning for it. And Frank had, you know, seemingly apparently had shaken hands with the players after the Leicester game and admitted that it was over. Um, but Daniel, how damning do you think this is not just, you know, for the current situation, but for Chelsea in the future and this, you know, the vision they've got on this, you know, so-called project and, you know, what does this mean for long-term projects and potential future managers as well? Oh, I think it absolutely throws that in the bin. I think it it does. I think it blows all of that up. Any hope that could happen under a coach, um, I feel it's just yeah, it, it blows it all up. And I think it really looks bad on a club today because um, I think my frustration with today is sure things weren't going well. There's, there's no denying that the performance against Leicester was really really poor, as were the performances, uh, the first half performance against Man City, the performance against Arsenal. I'm not going to sit here and try and spin it to you that nothing was wrong, but my issue is with this sacking, as has been the case with other coaches, is I see similar patterns emerging. I see similar friction between the coach and the players and, and mainly the hierarchy. And when I see similar occurrences under a number of coaches from, a diff from different countries with different backgrounds, you have to start asking questions that actually we don't really have a, a coach problem here. We have a culture problem at the club. And you do have to question why did they appoint an inexperienced manager with one year's experience at Derby who they knew they'd have to give time to more time than anyone else in difficult circumstances and then pull the plug on him so soon at the first sign of trouble. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of people who will, as they do with football in the modern times now, they look solely at, at what's going on right now and they isolate it down to, as if everything's done in a vacuum, you know, nothing, you know, is compared to what happened two or three years ago. I think it's very simplistic. And I urge people to go and read Matt Law's piece in the Telegraph and also the big athletic piece as well. Two pieces which talk about where it went wrong under Frank Lampard. And I'm not sitting here and saying that Frank Lampard did nothing wrong. But what both of those pieces really illuminate is the fundamental core issues that we've seen at Chelsea time and time again that are not going to change just by changing the manager. It's the way the board think about the club, the way they prioritise, it seems, internal politics over even progressing the first team, allowing, I would call, average players to stick around and, and prioritise their feelings and emotions over progress for the first team. And that causes friction the way they, they are worried about looking silly in the transfer window too. It just, so much of it is so damning on the club. And I have to, I have to look at this and think, where the hell are we going to be in two years? Because to me, where we're going to be in two years was where I felt we'd be two years ago under Sarri. I was saying similar things under Sarri and the same thing has happened once again. And it's, I'm sure like a lot of fans, it's just, it's this feeling of exhaustion with things, of emotional disconnection with, with Frank and sort of this vision and wanting to see it work and feeling that, well, 
here we go again. And it'll be the same in two years. And until something fundamental changes within the hierarchy, within the way Chelsea look at the club, look at the way they treat coaches and give them time and the way they treat the first team, priorities are, are so mixed at this club at the moment. And it just, it's, it, it's really heartbreaking, I think, today, especially for the way Frank is and what he means to Chelsea fans. Yeah, sorry if that's a bit muddled. It's just, it's, it really is a dark day, I think. And it's, it's a really frustrating day where you feel like we've taken so many steps backwards, really. Yeah, and Daniel, obviously you alluded to the articles. One of the most damning things that I read was that they said Frank would have walked away in the summer if it wasn't Chelsea. Mm. And I read that today and I was shook. Yeah. Because this summer we were all so, so excited, so, so happy. There was so much optimism around the club. And then you find out today that, that how angry and upset Frank was and how he, the relationship with Marina was pretty poor. How, I guess that just goes to show, you know, how big the issue at Chelsea Football Club is really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it shows you the culture that's there of you can go four or five games without a win and your job's under pressure. You know, the idea that last season Frank Lampard did anything other than a pretty a pretty good job. I don't. I don't see how you can twist last season. I know there's some people who have, but really, given the circumstances that Frank Lampard found when he arrived at the club in the summer of 2019, it wasn't only the transfer ban and then it has odd leaving. It was the fact you, you look at the fan base. It was Maurizio Sarri. It was a, a toxic time, I think, um, and there was a split there, and there was a feeling that this club needed to be revitalized and there needed to be some fresh youth into this team, an injection of energy into the first team of players, older players who were seemed to be deteriorating and, and weren't performing at their best. And, and you felt with this amazing academy, we had someone needed to, to bring players into the first team. And what Frank did to reunite the fan base, especially in 1920, was incredible. It really was. Um, and it just shows, you know, that that politics, that the politics internally this is my concern. I, I, feel so, I already feel sorry for the next man coming in. I do. I can already see where it's going to go wrong, not only based on his own history, but after one season, especially when we were all so excited about the summer and we were all sitting here going, they're backing someone finally. They're backing someone's vision. And to know that he was already at the point where he could have walked out. Once again, that's not on Frank Lampard. That's on another coach because Antonio Conte could have left after one year. Maurizio Sarri did leave after one season. I'm sure we could go back in the history books and find out that Carlo maybe could have left after one season, eventually got two. Once again, I want people to look broader than just Frank Lampard because I think when you do look deeper, it becomes more concerning. And I think you can understand why there's such a negative reaction to this and why things fundamentally will not change that radically despite changing the coach. Yeah. Jack, is it pointless now just having any hopes for Chelsea trying to build a, a dynasty or long-term stability like we try and we saw with Liverpool and City? And also, how damning is it for the future generation of, of Chelsea youth products trying to come through at the club? 100%, mate. I, 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 I'm, literally, I've got no words. I can't describe it, to be honest. It's just... It's beyond a joke, really. I'm honestly done with. I'm done with Chelsea. It's. I yeah. I just can't really explain it. It's just like how you can let him go after that 18 months. They talk about this three-year project when he signs and bang on about it, and you letting him go halfway through, in a season where we've had the pandemic. There's other external factors too, and they they're not willing to give. I know people say oh, we shouldn't compare the player and the manager, but I'm sorry. 
if your greatest player of all time is not going to be given a chance to turn things around and be given that opportunity, then no one's going to get it. And that just sums it up for me. I've got no hope with the next one. Like Daniel said, it's just going to be the higher and fire until Romans, until Romans sells up. That's all it's going to be. He just, He's almost got like he's almost got small man syndrome. Wants everything now. Wants these trophies straight away. Not prepared to. Not prepared to welcome the hard times to then try and build something long term, um, which is the hardest thing to take from it for me. Um, and then youth team players, it's difficult to say. I mean, you look at the team and you say, you say Mason and. Reese at the moment, I'd say 100% should be starting. Tammy as well can be starting. Billy's Billy's showing things. Callum's playing well. But you you don't know. The next manager might come in and feel pressured to play those those senior players who are making these complaints. And then we could go back to square one and be seeing Mason back on the bench, things like that. So it, it's a difficult one. Like you said, the youth team players in the last year and a half have seen seen a pathway to the first team now. They've they've realised and seen people like Mason coming through and thought, oh, I've actually got a chance of doing this now because in the past few years, we've never really had anyone. We've Ruben playing a couple of games when under Jose, Solanke playing a few, Josh McEachran under Ancelotti, but then they never really got that that chance of playing week in, week out. And these boys have done it and they've shown that they're good enough and that they're better than these these senior players and will put in more hard work. So, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. But um, based on the hard work that some of those boys have done this season, they should still be starting in that team on Wednesday, 100%. Yeah. Um, Daniel, when we talk about Chelsea managers, we often define their legacy by the trophies they won. That's mm-hmm. sort of, I guess, how we measure... Uh, obviously, Frank, unfortunately, has not won a trophy. But to me, anyway, he certainly leaves the club in a better place. And does Frank perhaps have a more positive legacy than a lot of other Chelsea managers in recent history, despite not having a trophy? Oh, yeah. I actually think that means so much more to the club than uh, even recent triumphs we've had. Um, what he's been able to give to the club in terms of bringing through this next generation, right? He He's probably saved the club tons in transfer fees you think about the quality of someone like mason mount um that sort of fight and spirit but also quality the the type of durability that i can see mason and it was so poetic that the last premier league goal scored for frank lampard was by mason mount the first premier league goal scored for frank lampard was mason mount he came to represent everything that was so great about lampard's tenure and, and the excitement behind lampard's tenure you think about him, you think about Tammy Abraham at such brilliant moments under Lampard. I think about Arsenal away. I think about the, the hat-trick at Wolves in the first season to Billy Gilmore. Uh, Reese James looks like such an extraordinary talent who looks like he's going to nail down that right-back spot for the next maybe, hopefully, 10 years. Uh, he, he looks an incredible talent too. I know, obviously, it hasn't worked out for him this season, but Tamori too got, got his chance in the first team. And then, sort of, of course, Kalamata Nadoi, I know, was obviously given his debut under Conte and got some time under Sari, but he's another player that you feel has a chance now at Chelsea. Um, I look at the likes of 
Tino Andrin, uh, Amanda Broja. I look at even some other players who've come through. Uh, Ian Matson, for instance, was given a chance in that League Cup game that I know we want to touch on. Just seeing that is, and that should be standard at Chelsea now. That should be the pathway. I don't understand how after we've opened Pandora's box that, hey, we actually have a pretty good academy and, hey, some of these players actually are good enough to feature in the first team and, hey, actually some of these players are actually better than the first team senior players we already have. That should be it moving forward. There should be an understanding and a route from Cobham, that academy. And you, you watch some of the young players uh, now, and I'm not talking about playing for the first team. I'm talking, watch the quality of football these players have, the, the mentality they have when they step up to the first team. It's completely different than it was 10 years ago. So that's Frank Lampard's legacy, and that will save the club a lot. And I really hope that those players are now given an opportunity to even to flourish even more under a different manager. Because in seven, eight years' time, if Mason's still here, if Tammy's still here, if Reese is still here, maybe Tomori comes back, maybe got Mark Gurhey, he was given minutes under Lampard last season, returns to the first team, Billy Gilmore. We'll, we'll remember Frank Lampard and who was the one who gave him that breakthrough in the first place. Because if it wasn't for Frank, many of these players probably would have been shipped, shipped off too early. Yeah. I think that's the most positive thing about Frank is he's definitely laid the foundations and set us up for a bright future. Now, I want to go back in time. I want to take you boys back to the 4th of July 2019 when Chelsea Football Club announced Frank Lampard as manager. Jack, what were you feeling that day when it was announced? Just happiness, mate. Having, having our best player come back and being in charge, especially after the season we'd had before and fans getting pretty like big, there was big divisions between everyone under Sari. So seeing that type of figure come back to the club was massive. And it was just excitement really. Just seeing him back in the in the in the dugout. Um and we know all know that he's Chelsea through and through. So that made it even more special because he really cares about the club. I'm not saying other managers don't care about the club they care about getting results and things but he's proper Chelsea yeah and Daniel obviously Frank's first home game at the bridge obviously you're a season ticket holder there mm. and the display the the guys I think we at the shed made it was just a brilliant day wasn't it what are your sort of mm. memories from Frank's first home game in charge of Stanford Bridge I've got to come clean and say, even though, of course, I was at many home games last season that was one of the ones I missed because I was graduating that day I was graduating from my university and I couldn't believe it. I remember they moved actually, I think the Leicester game was on a Saturday and it got moved to the Sunday where I was, I was graduating. So um, I actually, actually did listen to that game on the radio and some other family, extended family got to go to the game, but it was wonderful. It really was. And it was, there was such a sense of unity, a sense of vibrancy back in the club. It felt like we were going in such a new direction um, it was amazing seeing Mason score that goal. Um, it was a dream come true. Just seeing, I mean, at the back end of Sarri's tenure, I remember seeing Ruben and Callum in the team and thinking, this is as good as it's going to get, you know, in, in terms of seeing young players in the first team through the academy. But it, it basically, from the start of Lampard's tenure, it shattered that glass ceiling. It really did. And you could sense there was, there was such a willingness to get behind Lampard. And, and it felt like such a, a fresh new start, you know. And some of the football we played against Leicester, in that sort of opening 20, 25 minutes, you, you felt there was a team there that was bold, that was going to be brave, that was going to take teams on, that was going to play progressive football, that wasn't going to try and be a reactive counter-attacking team. And it was, it, there was so much energy in life and, and there was freshness to it. And, and unfortunately, you know, the back end of Sarri's time, 
you felt such sort of division within fans and it was it, it sort of radically changed so yeah it was it was a bold new start and and I think that seeing Mason's score was so poetic really in the end when we think about Lampard's tenure yeah, and I'll say as one of the fans there that day, I honestly, I probably celebrated the goal as much as Mason did. And I, it was weird. I had that feeling of like a proud dad type thing. It was on, honestly, when you see a player like that fulfill his like dream as a child growing up, it honestly does not get better than that. And that day was truly, truly a special day. Uh, Frank's first win obviously came against Norwich in a 3-2 win. Tammy Abraham and with a brace and Mason Mount scoring. We obviously saw Tammy embrace uh frank when he got his first chelsea goal that was obviously a beautiful beautiful moment but the next game i want to talk about is the 5-2 win away at wolves on the 14th of september a day where all where three of our academy products scored fikara tamori tammy abraham got a hat-trick and mason mount and daniel that was you know just a day where everyone at the academy can just feel really proud of all the hard work they've put in over the years yeah, it really was. It was. It felt almost Conte-esque in the sense of, I remember when that team dropped and we saw the three-back system and you felt, here we go, like this is this is going to be quite interesting. And for Caio scoring that goal, it was just incredible, wasn't it? And um, that was probably that period where Fakayo Tamori looked like such an incredible defender in it. And it felt like we really made the right call in letting David Luiz go to Arsenal um, because Tamori scoring that goal, it, it was so incredible, that strike. But Tammy that day, I mean, Tammy... You know, it's funny, we're speaking after the Luton game where he scored a hat-trick. Um, that hat-trick itself against Wolves was absolutely incredible. It was the it was the variety in the goal scoring that day that really, I think, made a lot of Chelsea fans stand up and think, hang on a minute, this guy potentially can be a serious striker for Chelsea Football Club. Um, and Mason, of course, who'd already started scoring, you know, he was he was just another sort of goal for him. He'd already got off the mark, but especially for Tammy and Samori and that, I think, iconic picture at, at full-time whistle with the three of them um, sort of celebrating. It, it was really amazing. And it was just, once again, you were seeing something that I think many of us didn't think was going to happen at Chelsea. Um, just seeing all of these players in the first team. They're not only in the first team. It's not like they're making cameos. These are key players they're scoring goals they're getting us the points and it was once again that sort of style of play that I wanted to see Chelsea have under Lampard sort of bold there was flair there was there was guile there was invention and, and, and Tammy Abraham Mason Mount and Fakari Tamori offered that and I I think it was such a bright day for Chelsea and I still once again I think like a lot of the things we're discussing today the great thing is I think we can still look back at these days with a lot of pride because I think a lot of these players will be featuring in the future for Chelsea and we can still look back at these days as not sort of wasted time is actually a time to develop and, and give these players their debuts in front of the Chelsea fans. Yeah. Now the next game I want to talk about might seem rather insignificant to people from the outside, but it was Chelsea versus Grimsby town in the league cup. Chelsea got their first win under Frank at Stamford bridge, but most notably was the massive inclusion of youth players. Reese James started, Mark Gurhey started, Billy Gilmore started, Callum Hudson, Adoy started, and Ian Matson and Tino Andrin made appearances off the bench. As I said, we were at, we were at that stage where Mason and, and Tammy and Fakai were getting rested. Um, Jack, obviously, you know, it's just for League Cup and it's Grimsby, but a sight into the future and the talents this club has. Exactly. It's just the same, really. Just just proving what this academy does. I said it earlier and I've, I've said it a few weeks ago, I think. We've got the best academy in the world and we've had the best academy in the world before. 10 plus years we win FA Youth Cups every single year pretty much won the Youth Champions League a couple of times win the leagues the Premier League twos etc so it's just it was just brilliant from Frank to 
extend that to other younger players as well and give the likes of of Tino Andrin and Matson their debuts and also getting Billy on and Mark and Callum. I mean, it was unheard of seeing even one one player in a in a Chelsea shirt in whatever game, let alone uh, let alone six or however many that was uh, over the ninety minutes. Um, so that that was just brilliant as well. Not not a game that I remember too too much of, but but the good one for the youth boys. Yeah, well, I think it's perhaps more the significance that game holds. Obviously, Chelsea were playing in the Champions League that year, and after a slow start against Valencia, they bounced back with a two-one win at Lille. But Daniel, I now want to go to you on the two Ajax games. First game, the one-nil win away at Ajax for me was the first indication of this Chelsea team growing up. And then also I'll get your thoughts on that incredible, crazy night at Stamford Bridge before all draw, but I'm sure all in attendance will never forget. Yeah, the, the first game was, I think, the first sign, because of course, you know, maybe, you know, this is another thing that's come up in recent weeks, you know, defensive issues. But that night, tactically, I think, you know, when any, anyone turns around to you and tries to spin you that somehow Frankie is tactically clueless and he, he's never got it right for Chelsea. Go watch the, the Ajax game, the first game back, um, going against Ajax, who still had Hakim Ziyech, um, the team that got to the Champions League semi-final the previous year, who had caused you know teams like Real Madrid a lot of problems and Juventus too. Uh, the way we went up there and, and you think about Samori and Zuma, the partnership they had, even Marcus Alonso who had problems at left-back, you know, everything seemed to click that night for Chelsea. And it was also a sign Lampard's ability to get players off the bench impacting the game. You know, I felt especially in 1920, he was able to do and change games in, in a brave way over and over again, bringing on Christian Pulisic. This was when Pulisic was really starting to find form and introduce himself to Chelsea fans. And of course, him and Batshuayi linking up for that winner. It was a big night for him. And I think it once again showed where Chelsea could go under Lampard uh, with time. And I think that's, a, once again, we get to a sad point there. But it was, it tactically, I think it was a really impressive night for Chelsea. And it showed that the likes of Mason, the likes of hudson Doy, the likes of Akairo Tamori, you know, really stepping up on big nights. You know, uh, I think about that slide tackle. I think it was against Ziyech, which sent uh, Ziyech flying off the pitch. Uh, funny now, Ziyech, of course, is a Chelsea player. But uh, all round, that was such a big night for Chelsea. And, and it was that first time you saw Lampard celebrating with the fans. Uh, who had made the trip to Amsterdam. And it was it, one of those sites that just gave you so much happiness, you know, pure happiness seeing Lampard celebrate because those were the images we dreamed of when Lampard was appointed. So those were the first in 1920 that we saw. Yeah. And then obviously the four-all draw against Ajax was a bit mm. nuts, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was in the Matthew Arden lower for that game. I had incredible seats for that game. I was literally like four rows behind the goal in the Matthew Arden stand. So I basically saw nearly all of the goals um, in the first and second half. Um, when that, when that goal went in, the Reese James goal went in, it was incredible. I, I've never experienced something like that in the Matthew Arling. I, I usually see it, of course, my season ticket is in the East Stand Upper, but just once again, it was that feeling of belief and, you know, madness and, and chaos. But seeing once again, young players at the heart of it, Reese James, who was starting to come into the team for the first time, he was a little bit, of course, because of his injury, was a little bit behind Mason and Tammy, who started the season and, and for Cairo too. Um, just watching the way that team just didn't give up that night and crazy, you know, two red cards, a couple penalties too in that game as well. It was just amazing. It really was. And, and it was just, once again, you could see that night, the energy within the crowd was that if this goes right under Lampard, we're going to see scenes that we haven't before. And um, 
I loved it. I really did. And it was, it was those two nights that just gave me belief that uh, at least for 1920, I felt this team could go in a good direction. Yeah. And as I can say, I don't think I've ever celebrated a disallowed disallow goal as much as I did when I thought oh, yeah. Asby had put us 5-4 up. Yeah. Honestly, as I said, like Daniel, I was in the Matthew Harding lower and it was just absolutely unreal. And for, again, what the most surreal thing about that game was obviously there were no Ajax fans. They mm. were banned. So when they went 4-1 up, you sort of just sat there in silence. And then you walk away at the end of the game feeling a bit gutted, but we haven't actually won that game. But that was honestly, definitely a phenomenal moment and one of my most enjoyable games under Frank. Obviously, Champions League getting qualification, getting out the group was the main aim from that. It was a tough group with uh, Valencia, Lille and Ajax. But on match day six... We did get out the Champions League group. League form was in a bit of a blip, uh, but we won 2-1. And Jack, again, another important, I guess, moment in Frank Terrain, getting past the round of 16 in his first season in charge. Yeah, that was that was a very nerve-wracking game to watch at the time. I thought Mr. Remy was going to come back and uh, haunt us. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those managed to managed to pull off the pull off the win and get the three points and and go into the last sixteen which was which was massive. No one would have said that before the season if you ask me. Um so huge for huge for Frank um and just was showing that the team was going in the right direction at that time. Twenty second of December twenty nineteen, Chelsea went to Spurs, their brand new stadium, and a big old foe was in wait. Jose Mourinho had been appointed Spurs manager and he had picked them up. If they won the game, they went above us. Chelsea though had other ideas and Jack talk to me, talk to me about that beautiful day at Tottenham's brand new stadium. In their own new backyard, yeah. I was there at that game as well. Lucky to be there. What a performance, honestly. That was that was another tactical masterclass from Frank, switching to the three at the back. Spurs couldn't deal with us. And I think the thing that made that uh that day possible and made it easier was those was the early goals. Um put us right in control and Spurs had nothing nothing on us the rest of the game. Um to Great first goal from William from that corner, playing that short corner, and then the penalty just to kill it. And it, it was one of the most special ones that season, just because it was Jose and Frank the Apprentice getting one over his his former manager, who'd won so many trophies with. That was the one that made it special. And um, seeing the scenes at the end of Frank Frank going over to the away end, that's one of the things that I definitely won't forget ever. From from his tenure and the passion that he was showing there, getting everyone getting everyone up for it and letting them know that that's what a London derby is about and that's what playing Spurs is about. Yeah, Daniel, what are your memories of that great day? Yeah, I think it was, it was such a crucial moment in the season too, in terms of that top four race. If you think about it, both games against Spurs were were that, you know, for, for Lampard, you know, I think we'd been on a really tricky run, if you remember. It was, you know, Spurs sort of caught us up in terms of points. 
just before Christmas. And in the big games against the other top six teams, we'd come close to some good results. But, you know, I think about Liverpool, I think it was 2-1. Man City, 2-1. Of course, Man United, 4-0. So we wanted to get a big win, the first big win of the season. And once again, not only tactically, but I loved the way that day Chelsea were so progressive against against the fellow big team, you know, against a big rival in a derby. Uh, you know, in previous years, we've constantly been known to be a more reactive counter-attacking team. We took the game straight to, to Jose and straight to Tottenham and we absolutely battered them. We really did. Outplayed them. Willian with one of his best performances in a Chelsea shirt. There's a lot of narrative behind there, obviously, with, with Willian and Tottenham. But you also think, once again, that day, uh, Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham flourishing for Frank in that 3 4 3 Three for three system, which Frank relied on a lot of time last year, um, and it worked for him over and over again on big occasions, and um, which was interesting. And, and you think about this season, could he have used it a bit more? Um, but you know, you think about uh, Mourinho's comments after the Man United game, which were quite detrimental to Mason and Tammy, and the fact that Mason and Tammy were starring for and for Kyra Tamori as well in that back three was working well again. So. It, it was a big day for Lampard, I think, not only in terms of proving he could go to a big team and win away from home. It meant so much. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw, there was an article, I think it was in The Athletic, by Simon Johnson at the end of the season, talking about how Lampard spoke to the players before that Tottenham away game, explained to them how much winning at Tottenham meant for Chelsea fans. And yeah, I think out of all the images we've seen today from Chelsea fans thanking Frank Lampard, that clip of him celebrating at the away end, I think is the most memorable because... Once again, it, it was that moment that you dream of, you know, seeing Lampard with his players coming to the away end, the away end singing his name. There was a sense of unity, a sense of connection. Once again, a sense that we were moving in the right direction under a manager we all wanted to see succeed. So it was it was a positive day. And, you know, uh, you know, we, we look back fondly on, on wins against Tottenham and that will be one that will be remembered very fondly for years to come. Yep, as one of the lucky few in the OM, that was honestly an absolutely unbelievable day. A day where we dominated a good side. And to me, it's probably the first time in a, a long time I can actually remember us being on the front foot against a good side. And especially away from home. I think Spurs' first shot on target came in injury time. And I know, obviously, they had a red card that day. But the game was done before then. And if we're being picky, Chelsea should have probably won that game 3 or 4-0. It was absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. A real coming of age performance and to say those scenes at full time will live with me for a long long time that was truly an incredible day right a week later jack we were at arsenal and it was similar scenes again not as good a performance in fact it was pretty dreadful for part for quite a large part of that game but the scenes at the end that late comeback how good was that yeah that that's one of the best one of the best games that i've been to as a fan just for the just for the atmosphere and the the late turnaround, scoring those two goals in the 80th minute or whatever onwards. Um, I remember we spoke to each other at Nick, uh, Nick at half time, and and we were like, "This is terrible." Everyone was fuming, but that was something Frank did did well. Then he 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 um, sacrificed Emerson, took him off, switched the system, got Jorginho in there, and and brought Tariq Lamptey on in the second half and. The boy again, another youth team product, proved that he was good enough for the top level, and and it was just it was a great comeback, wasn't it? Seeing seeing Tammy stick that ball in at the end uh, and the away end just just went <laughs> proper went, and again similar scenes at the end. Frank bringing all the players over, 
thanking the fans and that was that was another special moment. Yeah, that was honestly absolutely incredible. I say when Tammy Abraham scored that away and fell, and look again, there's the brilliant various clips you've got on Twitter. You've got one sort of yeah. you see how animated Frank gets when Tammy scores. You've also got that one clip of the away and when Tammy scores, you just hear Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> that was truly, truly another incredible moment. And again, winning at both your London rivals, you know, can't get better than that. And again, you know, we look at the previous season, Chelsea under Maurizio, sorry, had a terrible, terrible record away at the top six sides. We lost every single game apart from Man United. Uh, so that was, yeah, an incredible, incredible game and it's, it's funny that both the games we just mentioned were sandwiched either side of a, a pretty shambolic 2-0 home defeat um, to Southampton um, but Daniel the next game I want to talk about is again Jose Mourinho and Spurs came to Chelsea and again if they won they could have gone above us Chelsea's form was slightly you know it was inconsistent Chelsea were never really mm. consistent after after the incredible autumn run which I think you know to be fair we have sort of skipped over but there weren't perhaps any huge opposition of note but again that performance again we saw the three at the back but this time William was on bench and we sort of saw you know Willian and Barkley played out sort of out wide or whatever and Ollie Giroud up top again how good was that from Frank and the team that day? Yeah it just showed Frank's flexibility to deal with a squad that wasn't really his and getting the best out of I'd say fringe players I think about the way Ross Barkley grew in that second half of the season and the way Frank utilised him in very smart ways and, and getting the best out of Barkley that I'm sure we'll come on to in terms of speaking about the Everton and Liverpool games. But, you know, I, I'd rarely seen under different managers. Mount had another exceptional performance, this time as an inverted winger. Olivier Giroud, this was the start of Olivier Giroud's big comeback in 1920 and, and the way he became our hero um, and, and scoring so many big goals. Um, once again, it was just crunch time and, and and Frank Lampard got the best out of the team and it was uh, I think about Marcus Alonso too of course at left wing back you know in terms of being left wing back he's probably one of the best in world football scoring another big goal in a derby he loves scoring against Spurs and that was another one to go in the record books all round it it was such a good performance and and Frank Lampard when you whenever listen to him and this was you know you can look at his most recent sort of press conferences he, he uses words like fight and passion and, and to some people that may seem like simplistic but you saw that within the team and unfortunately over that winter period we sort of lost some of that energy but that Spurs performance brought a lot of it back and it was it was such a big day and I think that people underestimate how much wins over Spurs and Arsenal and Liverpool and Man United mean to fans over a season. Because, of course, we love winning trophies. But if you can't win a trophy in a season, or at least, you know, those wins mean so much to, to fans. And once again, it seemed like Lampard had instilled in the players what beating Spurs meant. And it was, it was such another dominant performance against a rival that, that I just loved watching. And, and Chelsea got through it. And big three points that when you look back in the summer at 1920, it was such a key moment. Yeah, Frank was the first manager to do the league double over Jose Mourinho. So that... Says a lot. And it was also Chelsea's first league double over Spurs since 2006, I believe. So it was a long time coming. And given how much Spurs games mean to Chelsea fans, yeah, Frank certainly, you know, did his credit no harm there. Obviously, after that, Chelsea suffered a humbling at the hands of Bayern Munich. The first real time I thought this Chelsea team were completely outclassed on the pitch. And obviously at this time, Chelsea, you know, people were asking how will Frank deal with this run? Because we just lost to United. Uh, drawn with Leicester, then we beat in Spurs, drawn with Bournemouth, lost to Bayern. Uh, but again, Daniel, that Liverpool Cup game, 
with, again, a bit of a rotated side, how good a night was that at Stamford Bridge and how good was it seeing, you know, again, another future prospect in Billy Gilmore running the show? Yeah, sort of that was when it felt like Frank Lampard's tenure was sort of blighted by a lot of injuries to key players. That was unfortunately something that carried over, of course, into this season too. Um, and that was really, especially in midfield, that's where it got worse. You know, I, I remember so many players being out that night, um, either through suspension or injury, and he sort of had to, once again, be flexible, try and find the best formation. Chelsea was struggling in form, struggling to be consistent. It looked like we were only going to drop out the top four because we struggled to win two back-to-back Premier League games for months. Um, and against, you know, the side that looked and was going to go on and win the Premier League title, but also was doing well in the Champions League. So it, it, was a, it was a big night. And Billy Gilmore was just another example of Frank Lampard trusting in young, young players. No other Chelsea coach recently would have done that. You know, in a big night, an FA Cup, what was it? FA Cup fifth round, wasn't it? At the bridge, under the lights, under a bit of pressure going into this game because you wanted to see Chelsea perform. And Billy was just absolutely exceptional. The maturity in that performance, it was, you know, it was such a a star-making performance in a sense because especially, you know, nutmegging Fabinho, but as well, it was was tactically, once again, it was against the best manager in the league at the time. And Chelsea absolutely just blitzed Liverpool that night. And it wasn't like Liverpool had a bunch of young players out. You know, you felt that was it Sadio Mane was playing that night, Virgil van Dijk was playing, Gomez was playing, I feel... One of uh, Robertson or Alexander-Arnold, I think, were playing too. It was, mo- it was a pretty close to a first Liverpool team. And the fact that Chelsea had, I'd say, a weaker team than the first team and we dominated. And another night for Ross Barkley where it worked so well. Mason Mount too. It was, there was so much energy and love in that performance and, and just a team that you just felt was, once again, going up against big teams and not being scared to, to try and attack rather than sitting back and being quite sort of aggressive and reactionary. And... It, it was a big night. It really was. And, and I felt it was, it was the thing that I felt under Lampard, at least last season was you needed to bloody the nose of Man City and Liverpool. You needed to, I'm not saying you could compete with them in the league, like points wise, but we needed to go up against them, whether it was a cup game or a league game. And we needed to beat them at least once to show there could be that progression on the pitch. And that night, especially that uh, Barkley goal was just incredible, wasn't it? And I, I wasn't there that night, but I know the Matthew Arding absolutely went mental when that goal went in. It was a Lampard-esque goal, to be honest. And it was the sort of goal that Ross, we wanted to see from Ross. You saw it at Everton and we hadn't seen it at Chelsea, but luckily he popped up with it and, and it was amazing. Always amazing to beat Liverpool, one of the best days of the season. If you beat Liverpool, I'm always very happy. Yeah, and obviously the final game that most fans got to see Chelsea play, which I guess in a way is a blessing perhaps, was Chelsea's 4-0 win against Everton. Jack, talk to me about that day because obviously we saw Pedro starting, William was starting, the midfield, I think, was Gilmore, Barkley and Mount. You know, it was when we when you look back on paper of that team and we beat a decent Everton side 4-0. Again, a very impressive performance from the team. And again, another great sign and showing from Frank. Just another one as well for Billy. Was it days, week after the Liverpool performance? Another one where he just showed again, I'm here. And if if called upon, I'm I'm ready to take it to the big guns and take it to a, a quality team especially against Ancelotti and those lot. Um, It seems a long time ago, that game. Um, Last game I was at, last game you were probably at, last one we could have been at. Um, Another one to see Armando get on the pitch, another youngster given a chance. Tino played as well, I think. Um, But yeah, no, that was just another quality performance and dispatching a half-decent Everton team 4-0 was a good sign that 
we were going somewhere forward again. Yeah, Daniel, what are your memories of that day? Yeah, it was just, it was, it felt like everything was clicking once again. And, you know, Billy, a great performance. Once again, we had a lot of players out and he went with the midfield three of Billy Gilmore, Mason Mount and Ross Barkley. And it just worked. I think it was probably, you could argue in sort of a purist way, it was probably the best performance we had on a Lampard, you know, in terms of absolutely battering a team and playing total football, passing it round them, touch and move. You know, I think there was that clip of, I think it was the third goal, the Willian goal outside the box. Um, and it was Frank, you know, util- I felt utilised Willian and Pedro really well last season, um, given that they are both it, on their last seasons. But, you know, I, I think under Sarri, they underperformed. But the fact he was able to rely and lean on their experience and get the best out of them and use that experience to his advantage to help with the young players. I think that was another day with both of them scoring Olivier Giroud too and Mason Mount's finish. I mean, it was just wonderful, wasn't it? And we've been lacking sort of that daring invention and it just shows you sort of the way Mason goes about the game so I think it's lovely to think back and, and think that was the last time a full Stamford Bridge crowd or at least the final two games with a full Stamford Bridge crowd for a long time under Frank Lampard was that Liverpool game was that Everton game two brilliant performances and I think a lot of fans will remember that remember those days fondly yeah before I move on to games after lockdown you bring a good point about fans Danny how sort of disappointing and painful is it for you as a fan, but we basically got robbed of, of Frank's tenure here. We got, mm. you know, the first six months or so, and we've been sort of robbed of about close to 12. Yeah, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. There's no other way to describe it. Um, I even think of some performances this season. You know, you think about the good run we had. I think about Sheffield United at home, that 4-1 game. You know, I felt, especially late on in that game when we started scoring more goals, I, I, you, could, you can imagine the, the bridge bouncing a bit. You know, it's hard to tell how much of an influence or a lack of influence not having fans in stadiums has had this year. It's very hard. I think you can go across the board and say that there are certain times in games, especially recently, where I felt like a crowd may have helped Chelsea get through difficult periods. And um, I think about the Leeds game that did have some fans in where Chelsea ran the most they did this season. Um, I wonder if that had something to do with it, having that extra sort of motivation with the fans to, to go out there and put on a big performance against a, a historic rival for Chelsea and put in one of our best performances of the year. It's tough, it really is. And even in difficult moments, under, say, Jose Mourinho, you felt the passion the crowd had to support Jose right to the bitter end there. Um, it would have been the same under Frank Lampard. There was no doubts. You know, if you think if, if a full crowd was there against Luton and we had the same results, everyone would have been backing Frank Lampard. Um, and it's such a shame that as we are the shed who uh, created that banner that we saw yesterday, said in a, in a statement today, they, they thought the move was cowardly. Um, and that's a strong word, but it, it feels a bit like that because they know that they're not going to have to feel the brunt of, of fan frustration on Wednesday against Wolves, you know, like they have in the past when they've sacked Di Matteo, when they sacked Jose. Um, and that's such a shame because we know how much Chelsea fans love Frank Lampard. We know how much support there was there already, but it, I think it would have been doubled actually during a difficult period. Um, so I don't know when fans are going to be back, but I'm pretty certain that whenever we are allowed back in the ground in full attendance, let's hope next season, the first song will be Super Frankie Lampard. I'm, I, I guarantee you that'll be the first. Fans are not going to be, forget this. They're not going to discard it. Whatever happens in the next four or five months, fans will still want to let the club know that they feel this, this was a wrong move. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It, you know, it hurts me that Frank didn't get to hear our support on the ground and you know, he effectively only sort of felt the support from outside the club you know through a banner for one game um, but again great work from the guys that we ever shared there 
Um, right, going back to last season, obviously we had a break for COVID, as we've sort of mentioned, but football returned, Jack, and a big, big moment in the season, the battle for top four was a 2-1 win against Manchester City. Now, you and I sort of were chatting about this at the time, and you, we saw the lineup, and we said, this is either genius or he's a complete yeah. and utter idiot. Thankfully, it was genius. Yeah, no, that that was a game where we played to our strengths. Well, not to our strengths, but we just allowed City to have the ball and then could counter quickly and pounce on mistakes like the Pulisic goal, pouncing on, I think it was Gundogan and Mendy having a bit of a muddle there. Um, and then we also had Giroud, who we could, who was a focal point that we could launch it up to and play off him. Um, that was that was a really good performance from Chelsea. I know VAR probably saved us with the Fernandinho handball on the line because I don't think the ref would have given it. But um, yeah, it was a nice one, nice one for the top four race, and always good to. Well, not always good, but seems like the bridge is always the place where we're deciding other teams winning the league as well. Yeah, and Daniel, obviously that meant that now Chelsea beating Spurs, Manchester City and Arsenal in the league as well as Liverpool in the cup. Again, another key indication, Frank beating another top manager. Mm. You know, we thought, you know, he's showing his credentials here, didn't we? Yeah, tactically, once again, getting it spot on. Uh, it was the first time that we'd seen, it wasn't a first time, but it was the first time against, I think, a top team we'd seen Kante as a lone DM in a 4-3-3. Once again, utilising Barkley, sensing the fragility within Man City and that's one of my frustrations with the recent game against Man City that Frank didn't you know if you think about Christian Pulisic that night that was when Pulisic was really coming into his own and I think Frank utilized his pace that night and I think about that first goal but all round there was a brief period in the second half when De Bruyne scored um, but what I loved about that was there were so many times last season where Chelsea had to be at their best and you felt like that Chelsea team still learning and growing that any time they faced any adversity the game would collapse but that didn't happen that night um it was Frank Lampard brought on Tammy Abraham for Olivier Giroud to bring a bit of pace back into that front line and that really hurt City once again it was an open game but once again Chelsea battered City I remember looking at the XG after that game and it was quite incredible you know Pulisic could have scored about that trick uh, Tammy too um, and it was a big night unfortunately it did give Liverpool the Premier League title um, but it was such a big night I think for Frank Lampard against Pep Guardiola once again showing that I think at that point at 1-1, it, it showed sort of what Lampard was trying to instill in Chelsea because at 1-1, say under Conte or under different managers, and we've seen it under Jose too, it's, we'll stick with the point here. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll sit a little bit deeper. You know, we're happy with the point here. Let's not get beat. Frank had the opposite mindset. He felt this City team, we can get at them. And we went at them and we got the winner in the end. Um, big, big night it really was. And, and I remember celebrating that Willian goal and, and the win. So exciting. And especially given we uh, went without what, three months without football, it was wonderful to see Chelsea back and wonderful to, to see them win a game in that manner. Yeah, one of those nights, again, where the bridge would no doubt have been rocking should fans have been in attendance. Whereas we say, so Chelsea, you know, from then sort of stumbled, I guess, towards top four. They, you know, they might win two games in a row, then have a really disappointing loss but you know progress still happened in the FA Cup with knocking out Leicester and we set up a semi-final date against Manchester United a team that had beaten us twice already this season and Jack again Frank that day got it absolutely spot on to you know comfortably comfortably beat a Manchester United side that were in good form yeah I think they hadn't 
I don't think they'd lost since January. I think I think it was Burnley or something. It was the last team to to beat them, and they were unbeaten for nineteen twenty games. And we we absolutely battered them again. Switching to the three at the back was a great shout from Frank. No, Ollie did it as well for them. Didn't work as well for them, but um, another another one where Giroud was just just able to show how important he was to us in that second half of the season. Getting that goal just before half time was huge for us, and we thoroughly deserved that. Um, I know they they got a goal late on, but I I probably say that was probably one of our best if not the best performance we had under Frank under, uh, through that season, definitely. Yeah, obviously Olivier Giroud scoring. Mason Mount scoring scoring in a big game for us there. And then there's a Harry Maguire own goal, which obviously added to the joy as Chelsea progressed to the FA Cup final. But as we say, top four went right to the wire. We couldn't get the point we needed as we lost a thriller 5-3 to Liverpool. Uh, Daniel, the final game of the season was Wolves. Frank, again, made a big call, dropping Kepa, putting Willy Caballero in goal. But again, his justice, or not his justice, his choices and faith in the team were rewarded, weren't they? Yeah, I remember feeling sick before that game because it, it felt so sort of like built up and we wanted to get in the top four to feel like the, the season had been a success, you know, getting getting that place right, right on the final day. What I think about that game is Mason Mount. I think about that free kick. Um such a young player who had been given so much trust by Lampard. Another moment where Mason stepped up and proved his quality um, that showed that he could, as a young player, take the responsibility of a big moment. You know, it was a bit of a cagey game, wasn't it? You know, Wolves kind of sitting back, Chelsea sitting back, not wanting to make any errors. But we get that free kick and Mason just steps up and it, you know, obviously right after that, the, the clip of him when he was, what, 11, 10 or 11 at the club, showing him hitting a free kick. It was too poetic to, to see. He almost hit it in the same place, basically. And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful moment. Oli Giroud once again stepping up and getting us to top four, which I, I think, you know, Lampard had a wry smile that day. I think he was trying to restrain his sort of happiness because he knew that it was a big day, I think, personally for him. And no matter what, even internally, the club, we may be reading now about whether they felt the top four was a success or not. I think we all were buzzing that day because we felt it was a very rocky season that Frank Lampard had navigated really well to get us to Champions League football. And then you saw the summer spend that probably wouldn't have been possible without that Champions League qualification. So a big day. And I think maybe you'd argue his biggest win. I'm not, you know, I think it, it probably is because it, it meant so much to get into the Champions League because, we, you know, you hear about how much Champions League football and the revenue means to this club to stay competitive at the top level. And Frank deserves credit for that because he made big decisions last season. And I think more than more than uh, most made sort of vindicated in the end, weren't they? And, and Mason stepping up, Caballero keeping a clean sheet, it all worked out, didn't it? Yeah. Now, before we sort of, I guess, finish up and ask you for your favourite moment under Frank, I know that's quite tough asking you for what I just want to ask if there's sort of any sort of standout moments from this season for you boys both really enjoyed obviously you know I think back to that first game season how great how that away end would have absolutely gone mental when Reese lashed that absolute rocket into that was a beautiful goal but uh Jack is there sort of any sort of really special moments from this season that you look back on and think yeah you're putting me on the spot here mate Jesus um trying to think to be honest we haven't had too much have we <laughs> when you look back at it but 
no wins against like big teams. That's been the problem this this season. Ultimately, I think. Um, but just honestly, I'm struggling to think off the top of my head. But um, just just having having that figure in the dugout and just knowing it's Frank uh, and being that being that Chelsea man. That's that's been the most uh, rewarding thing for me. Seeing him there and um, bringing in these youngsters over the two years. Fair enough. Daniel, any sort of your favourite or standout moments from this season for you? Uh, I think about the some really good attacking performances. I think about Burnley 3-0. I think about Sheffield United 4-1. I think about uh, Sevilla 4-0 away from home. I think about that Leeds game. Um, I think personally for Lampard beating Bielsa, I love seeing that. You could see how much that meant to Frank. I'd say that's probably the top moment. The unfortunate thing is we're halfway through a season and you know, as we were just having those conversations about 1920, you know, in the second half, of a, second half of the season when stakes are raised and you get to the important part, that's where a lot of those big moments can happen. So it's, it's quite difficult, right? If we cut off the season in 1920, you're probably only speaking about maybe Ajax and, and Tottenham. So I, I'd say from this season, those sort of attacking performances we saw. And I think that, I'm sorry to keep on saying his name, but I think he's been Chelsea's best player this season, Mason Mount. Um, just seeing how he's gone up another level this year as a number eight. And I think it'd be absolutely idiotic if the following manager does not have Mason Mount in his starting eleven, because we've heard a lot about player problems today and about players maybe downing tools or not being as professional as they should be, even though they're senior players. Um, Mason's one player I want on that pitch every single time for every single big game because he loves his club. He's going to be the captain of this club and it's just great to see his development despite the online hate. This guy, I think he's going to the, to the very top, which Harry Redknapp once said about Frank Lampard. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to say that about Mason Mount because I've seen it in front of me. So I'd probably say just watching Mason Mount play football. Yeah. Fair enough. And well, now, uh, yeah. And I say Newcastle as well. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Newcastle at St. James's Park. That never happens as a Chelsea fan. Yes. So that, was, that was a huge win. Yeah, it, it sort of just sums up the craziness of this season that we win at Newcastle and Frank's got the boot. You know, football just doesn't really um, make sense. I guess sort of before we wrap up and just give our general sort of thoughts on, on Frank, Daniel, if I can hard press you for your the top moment under Frank, but obviously if you, if you can't decide, I'll mm-hmm. let you pick multiple ones. I think I'll say the Mason Mount free kick against Wolves um, just for its importance. I think if, if you were to look at the long-term effect of that goal, um, I know on the day, actually, Man United beat Leicester. So if we, we could have lost 10 nil, it wouldn't have mattered. But uh, just for the fact we had that moment to, to sort of cherish with Mason. Uh, behind that, I'd have to look at the Ajax, the Ajax wins or the Ajax two games and the Man United win, the Tottenham wins too. But I'm just going to go Mason's free kick because Mason just, I think, was the best representation of Lampard on the pitch, right? Of what Lampard was trying to instill in this team. Um, so I'd have to go over Mason moment and that would be the one I'd go for. Fair enough. Jack? Um, I'll probably say the Ajax away game, winning that, that was where I looked at that young Chelsea team and thought we've beaten a, a, a team that's got to the semi-final the year before and unlucky not to make the final, to go and beat them and play as well as we did, the, how tactically well we played that night and everything just went to plan. Like Daniel said earlier, the substitutions, bringing Pulisic and Batshuayi on to combine and score that winning goal. That was probably the game where I thought this team could go on to be something special. But being at the Spurs and the Arsenal away games, those were memorable moments because I was there. Yeah, fair enough. I'd say Spurs was, you know, perhaps my 
favourite performance under Frank, given it was a big game and it was just truly special. But football is about being with your mates. Football is about a great day out. And Arsenal away, when I was with you, Jack, that was honestly a top, top day. The limbs in that away, and it was beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, before we wrap up, I guess, you know, it, we've got to finally just pay word to Frank Lampard. Um, it's quite hard, but Danny, obviously, I know I watched your video earlier, and like, you know, you've admitted he's your hero. He was your hero growing up. You absolutely adore the bloke. I, the feeling with Jack and I is is pretty mutual, but just how much have you enjoyed Frank Lampard's time at Chelsea? Um, I think the way I could sum it up is the news today has sort of killed me emotionally for the season. And I think that says so much about what Lampard means to me. Um, he, you know, he's such an inspiration. I think the way he's proved people wrong time and time again, and I think that's only going to enhance his ability to be a great coach somewhere. Um, I, I love his humility. I love the fact that he was such an amazing spokesperson for the club, the best manager we've had in terms of, I know this isn't, you know, isn't an award, but in terms of press conferences, I loved listening to Frank speak because he was speaking like a Chelsea supporter. And I think that means a lot to fans uh, when maybe others haven't in the past. Um, the fact that he wanted to see a young generation come through, the fact that he didn't really care just about, you know, a lot of managers come in and I can understand, especially foreign coaches will come in and protect themselves and they'll protect their, their reputation. They'll, they're worried just about the short term, but Frank has been quite humble and the humility to be able to say, actually, I'm thinking about Chelsea's best interests here. Here's everything Chelsea represents. This man should have a statue outside Stamford bridge uh, alongside Peter Osgood. This is, this is a guy who, oh man, I'm getting emotional speed, but I think he's just, he's, I think, you know, obviously for me, I'm biased. I think he's, you know, an absolute hero. But I think that I really hope Chelsea fans are grateful to Frank Lampard, um, understand what he's given to the club, uh, how much he works hard for this club and how much he wanted it to succeed. And it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And I just hope he has a great career somewhere else because I think he's got such a great footballing brain. And I think he, he speaks about the game so intelligently and... I think he'll have my full support wherever he goes. Of course, Chelsea, my first club and always will be, but I, I just, it's such a shame. It really, I don't know how to say that. It's just, it's, it's such a shame because what could have been, as we've been discussing today, those moments, right. It was, the, it was that dream of seeing him lift a, a trophy of any kind, you know, winning a, winning an FA cup for me would have been enough. It would have been, I would have been, I would have been happy. He could have left after an FA cup because just seeing that man prove people wrong and, lift a trophy for this club that he's given so much for and I think still wants to give more for but unfortunately can't at the moment um it, it's gutting it really is so thank you Frank because uh, you're always going to be my hero yeah very very well said Jack can't really have much more to that can I really I mean me and Nick said have said that and my other friends as well said that seeing Frank go today it's almost like a bit of Chelsea has almost died inside of you, to be honest, seeing them get rid of getting rid of our greatest ever player like that in that manner. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be one that's it's hard gonna be hard to get over, but what he's done over the year and a half, like we said, laying the foundations, um, he's more than done that and just bringing 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 the bringing the excitement and the and the happiness to me of watching, of watching Chelsea again and really being properly into watching the games under Sari, like not lost interest, but 
you, I just didn't care as much. Whereas when it's Frank, you just really wanted him to succeed, and that's what's been the most painful thing about about seeing seeing us lose the last few over the last month, and then seeing him go. But he's he's an absolute legend at this club, and he'll remain a legend no matter what. So, yeah, thank you, Frank. Yeah, a top top player, a top. You know, I think Frank 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 embodies Chelsea Football Club. Frank and Chelsea Football Club go hand in hand. Frank is probably, you know, players aren't as big as the club, but Frank is jolly well close, if that is the case. People might look back on this reign of 18 months and go, well, it was a bit underwhelming. We didn't get a trophy with Frank, but I wouldn't change it for the world. This was probably the most enjoyable time of my life supporting Chelsea. I, but I can really remember, you know, going to the games was such a buzz. The atmosphere of the bridge was so good. It was just so exciting and you felt, you felt invigorated going to the football because football's not just about the results. Football's about the day out with your mates. It's about experiences with people. And under Frank, we had so many great moments. It's telling that we've got a manager who's not won a trophy and we've managed to list off so many incredible moments in this podcast. So, yeah, look, it's not ended how we'd like with Frank. Whether the, whether the chapter's closed, whether the door's closed on this, we'll have to wait and see. But Frank Lampard is Chelsea Football Club. He's the greatest player we've ever had. He will go on to be a top manager, I hope. And look, like we saw at Derby, I'm pretty sure we'll be all supporting. We'll always we'll have, we'll have a second team, but whoever is Frank's managing. So, yeah, it's top stuff. And as I said, I would not change these last 18 months for the world because having Frank football, Frank Lampard in charge of Chelsea Football Club has just been so, so special. Right, that wraps up for this episode of that Chelsea podcast. It's been a bit of an emotional one, but it's also been, I guess, quite cathartic, a bit therapeutic. And we managed to look back on the positives of Frank's reign in charge. I want to thank Daniel for coming on. Daniel was a top, top guest agreeing to come to this at short notice. Daniel, before you go, plug your socials and where people can follow you for more daily Chelsea content. Uh, yeah, Son of Chelsea on YouTube, daily Chelsea videos. Uh, going to be reacting more to this news and obviously uh, the future beyond that. Obviously, the game's coming up too. Uh, at Son of Chelsea on Twitter, at Son of Chelsea YT on Instagram. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Always a pleasure to come on and speak about Chelsea. Yeah, it was a pleasure having you on, man. And as I say, I couldn't have thought of anyone more fitting to talk so well about Frank's time at Chelsea Football Club. Jack, it's been a disappointing pod to record, a pod we, you know, we've had to record sooner than we'd have hoped. But it's been a pleasure as always, hasn't it, mate? Cheers, mate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. As for us, you can follow us on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod, on Twitter as that Chelsea Pod. We're available on all your usual podcast platform providers. And until the next episode, everybody, keep blue flag. Right, you've just realised that I had a signal at the end of the pod. That was a mistake by me. I completely forgot. But I was also going to include some thoughts of fellow fans giving their favourite moments under Frank. So what you're about to hear now is their thoughts and their favourite moments of Frank. I hope you enjoy and we'll see you next time. Hi guys, my favourite Lampard moment from his time in charge would have to be the 5-2 win away at Wolves. Uh, seeing Tammy get that hat-trick and Mount and Tomorrow scoring as well. Uh, it really felt like we were starting the new era with the young players and it was so fresh, so exciting just to see them sort of coming out of the blocks, especially with this being one of Frank's early games. Going away at Wolves, a tough place for most teams. Um, it just gave us all as fans that hope that we were on to the brink of something special here. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Hi guys, uh, this is Dan Hill here. You can find me on Twitter at idanno 5 and just want to tell you about my uh, favorite moment under Frank and uh, just place on record how grateful I am for everything that he's done for us during his 18 months 
uh, tenure and uh, I was really hit by it hard yesterday but um, just comforted by the fact that he'll always be a legend at our club and he will always be forever blue. Um, my favorite moment under Frank, um, I think it has to be uh, the probably the 2-0 win away to, to Tottenham um, simply just to see the, the joy on Frank's face and just what it meant to sort of uh, it's almost master versus apprentice kind of thing because he got one over um, Jose Mourinho just in, in Spurs' new stadium the first time we played there. Um, another highlight for me is actually Pulisic's winner against City. Um, it's really hard to choose one in the FA Cup semi-final win against uh, against United. But uh, I think the Spurs one really sticks out because um, uh, it was just a, a great game, a great win. Um, but there were so many highlights and uh, I think just the fact that all of our academy boys did so wonderfully, um, that was another major highlight. So it's it's actually really hard to, to pick one, but I, I suppose if I if I had to, it would be the Spurs one that would that would stand out. Um, it was just a really overwhelming sense of uh, joy on uh, Frank and the team's faces on that day uh, just to get a great win. But uh, once again, just want to say thank you again to a true legend of the club and he will be sorely missed. But uh, hope, hopefully, uh, I live in hope that he will one day come back to the club in some capacity. And uh, I'm confident in the fact that I'll know, I know he's always going to be a true blue. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye. Hello, guys. I'm Chuku Duin, and I'm a Chelsea fan from Nigeria. My Twitter handle is Chuku underscore Duin, so you could give me a follow. Uh, my favorite Chelsea moment on the Frank Lampard came at the back end of last season beating Manchester United in FA Cup semis but I lost to them three times prior and losing to them the fourth time was going to be some stuff of banter so it was good to see the boys coming out big and actually winning that one by three goes to one uh, United got its consolation goal late on so it was an absolutely beautiful feeling uh, seeing you know fans hurt that much and also seeing that Super Frankie had got one over Oli. A uh, big, big moment for him and big, big moment for Chelsea. Uh, those are the moments you can take away from the fans. So thank you, Super Frankie, and all the best for the future. Good afternoon, everyone. This is CFCZ speaking, and I'll be sharing with you my favorite moment of Frank Lampard as manager of Chelsea Football Club. I mean, Frank gave us lots of great memories, but if I had to pick one, it'll definitely be the Ajax game at home where we drew 4-4. I know we didn't win that game, but that draw was so crucial to our progress in the Champions League, and without it, we wouldn't even have played in the round of 16. So the game started off when Zayash was on fire. Uh, he got a goal and two assists, including that famous free kick against Kepa. Uh, I remember Lampert's face and the way he smiled uh, when Zuma made that famous run where he dribbled past everyone and regardless of that finish but that definitely made Lampard smile and that made me smile as well watching Lampard so that's something I, I really enjoyed that day um, Jorginho stepped up he got two penalties scored uh, and after the two cards two red cards uh, Reese James excellently finished that uh, shot uh, that's where that's where the academy players just just went on and celebrated with so much energy that made Frank smile as well, and I think that summarizes 
his spell at Chelsea. I, I know I've been leaning a little towards him leaving for a while, but now that he's really gone, I gotta say that I miss him already and I can't believe this is it, you know. You can argue all you want, but he had a success- successful spell managing Chelsea and I really wish he stuck around for long. But nevertheless, he'll always be remembered for the good things he has done around here. And for what it's worth, he did us really, really proud. Hey, it's Jam here. And you can find me on at carefree underscore jam on Twitter. So my favourite moment with Frank Lampard being the gaffer of Chelsea has got to be that 2-1 away win at the Emirates last season with Tammy Abraham getting a late winner. Um, I mean, Jorginho's, <laughs> Jorginho's goal was uh, sweaty, to, to put it politely, at you know at the very least. And then Tammy Abraham on the break, great finish, and a knee slide in front of the away fans at the Emirates. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. And then when you look at the touchline, you just see the coaching staff, the subs, and Frank Lampard going absolutely berserk with a massive smile on his face. It was brilliant, and I'll never forget about that. I mean, look, I even did a knee slide in my flat with laminate wooden flooring and that hurt. But look, it was worth it. I was absolutely buzzing at the time and uh, shouting off, you know, at the top of my voice as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'll forever be grateful for Frank Lampard's efforts as manager. Um, He's transitioned us through through a difficult phase, you know, with the transfer ban, bedded in some of the youth and, um, you know, he's, he's really put in some great foundations for us to kick on from. So Sadik didn't work out for him um, as a manager, at least this time round. Uh, look, as he, he's, he will always be a, forever a legend in my eyes. And maybe, just maybe one day he can come back. But hopefully Chelsea can kick on from this now because we've got a lot of work to do for the rest of this season and uh, going on from that too. I think one of my favorite memories of Frank Lampard as the manager was that Tottenham away game. It just felt like such a tactical masterclass by him and the players and just pulling one over on Mourinho. Uh, you know, the apprentice beats the master and just the atmosphere in Stamford Bridge. I wish that I could have been there, but it looked absolutely incredible. Frank going around and just amping up the entire stadium was really so amazing and I just felt so happy and proud of as a Chelsea fan and yeah he's he's just one of a kind honestly and I'm going to miss him a lot and that game was definitely one of my favorites that I've seen with Frank Lampard in charge. I'm Nishal Schwager-Battelle and I would say my favorite Frank memory not one that springs straight to mind for most fans but I would say was when he led us out of the FA Cup final against Arsenal Unfortunately, we weren't there and we couldn't be there to see it, but it was such a special moment to see one of our greatest ever players, our greatest ever midfielder, lead us out at Wembley in the FA Cup final, only the seventh manager in our history to lead us to the final in his first season. And it was a wonderful cup run. And just to see him leading the line, coming out with all the players, you know, leading by example, as he's done time after time after time for Chelsea, was an honour and something I wish we could have seen again with a different outcome. And I will miss Frank a lot, but we can look back over good memories and what he gave us and what he achieved in his time at Stamford Bridge. There were several great moments uh, in Lampard's tenure as Chelsea manager. Uh, Some of those included uh, the time when he was appointed and announced by the club, uh, his first uh, game back at the bridge where he got a rousing reception uh, the the first goals that Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham etc scored 
especially the Tammy goal where uh, he came and celebrated with Lampard. That was a very special moment in the season for me. Uh, wins against Arsenal and Spurs where uh, everyone was chanting his name at the bridge. Uh, there were so many, so many special moments in this short time uh, that it's difficult to pinpoint just one of them. But uh, I think his his the time when he first stepped out on the Stamford Bridge pitch as a manager was my most favorite out of those moments. Evening, gents. It's uh, Stamford Chidge from the Chelsea Fancast, writer for CFC UK fanzine, uh, a columnist for Chelsea Football dot London, and uh, Supporters Trust board member. Blimey, far too many hats, but anyway, mainly the Chelsea Fancast, of course. Oh dear, still sulking because uh, Frank Lampard got the sack, which is uh, a great shame and uh, a bit previous in my humble opinion. But he's gone and I think we have to deal with that fact. And as the uh, the Chelsea podcast, that Chelsea podcast boys are talking about, it's time to reflect on what, uh, what he's done for us uh, in his last 18 months as manager. And they've asked me to pick out... You know, a single moment, uh, my favourite Frank moment from the last 18 months. And I mean, I could be here for about two hours. I promise you I won't be. Uh, I think the first match uh, at the bridge uh, when we we welcomed him back will always be special. Uh, I think right up there are both the Arsenal away game and the Spurs away game. And you could just see what what it meant to Frank to be the manager of Chelsea and celebrate us winning. Uh, and I'm tempted to choose one of those two. But I really can't. And I can't because I wasn't there. And I think that's the point. I wish I had been, but I wasn't. Uh, so for me, it's kind of a peculiar memory, really. I mean, not peculiar in the sense that, you know, beating Spurs 2-1 at home is peculiar. I mean, that's a a massive celebration, or a massive reason to celebrate. Whoever the manager is, we always love beating Spurs at home. But for me, it was special because... Uh, we have to beat Tottenham. Frank absolutely loved it. We played brilliantly. Giroud scored a fantastic goal. Marcus Alonso scored a fantastic goal. But more important, it, I was obviously there up in gate 17. But as it happens, that was uh, my last home Premier League match uh, before you know they stopped supporters going into the stadium. I mean, I was at the Bayern Munich match. But I'm trying to make that not count for obvious reasons. And uh, I wasn't able to go to the superb Everton match where we won 4-0 because I was, uh, would you believe, uh, a wedding in Scotland. So my last home Premier League match with Frank in charge was the 2-1 against Spurs back in February. Uh, And for obvious reasons, that now lingers long in the memory and is very, very, very cherished. Uh, But it was also the epitome of a great day out. I mean, obviously, we were all very happy that we beat Spurs. Uh, I certainly was. And I rather over-celebrated in the pub afterwards with my usual suspects like Dan Silver and the guys from Chelsea Chicago and Chelsea in America, who I found in various pubs, missed three trains and was thoroughly drunk. But in a sense, the epitome of a great day out at Chelsea, which is what it's all about, and uh, Frank, as he so often did in the past as a player, had a great deal to do with that as a manager. And I don't need to thank him. He knows how much we love him and how much we thank him for all of his contributions. But that's the special memory for me. 
Anyway, good to speak to you boys. Take care and up the chels. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.